Hello and welcome to the Carbitrage Podcast, episode 307. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Tanitsky. Hi, that's me. Sorry, it has been a, an awful long time. You were sick, I was sick. We were both well, sick. and the holidays in the middle too. Yep. I don't think that was actually going to get in the way of our recording. No, but... we were, no, we were going to be right after the holidays, and then we both got sick last yeah. weekend. And Man, your voice is coming back. Mine luckily came back. Mine is more brain fog. Oh, um, well, yeah. I don't know which I prefer. Yeah, I, I will. T- I will take. Um, you know, I kind of like mine because, like, mine was like it was solely. That I couldn't. I just couldn't work. Sure. Um, and it's well, like, okay. <laughs> like that was the thing. Is like, like yeah, I was sick. But like the main problem was the fact that I couldn't keep a coherent thought. Sure. So that was the main issue. Um, but yeah, uh, we are back. Um, I have purchased several very old computers in the last forty-eight hours. You have. I, in fact, we have discussed that yes, at length before I, the episode. I purchased a DataView twenty-five, which has a infrared wireless keyboard, which is an extremely cool lunchbox-style uh, luggable. And I'm sure that works fantastically. I mean, Currently, the PCB is made out of alkaline uh, corrosion. Perfect. But we will find out if I can fix it. Well, if that's better or worse than electrolytic juice, it's probably better. You know, that's a good question. I'll ask Darren. I'm just um, trying to go for the glass half full on yeah, the PCB. The, so. the good thing is, is I also got a Toshiba T3100. Um, and the Toshiba, both of these, have... 1200 megabit per second modems. Oh, yeah. So there's actually a video on YouTube of a guy taking a T3100, a later model uh, with more RAM, and going on Twitter with it. Um, Does that website still have like a text only load option? They must. Have there is actually, okay. yes. That, um, so most websites do, um, because when you actually look at a website, um, when it loads, it'll load the HTML. Like website, which is the basic website, and then it will load the CSS style sheet, yeah. and then after that, there's the SQL loading, um, and depending on how it's coded, most websites will still have a fallback of being just HTML CSS, um, but the it, it will not have all the pretty bits, and it'll be partially functional, but Twitter for sure you can at least make a like a tweet on. Oh my god! Um, you can also um, go on Wikipedia. Which that one I could see. Actually, extremely useful because I spend a lot of time on Wikipedia. You can genuinely have an entire trip along the internet just on Wikipedia. Oh yeah. So. Oh my God, that's like YouTube tangents before YouTube. And then today I got the world's greatest deal on a Commodore sixty four. I got the actual what? computer. Oh, Ryan, but that's just the keyboard. Yeah, it's the whole computer. It's all in the back. Um, and then I got two monitors. And, like, 40 pounds of games and software for it. Oh, and a uh, five-and-a-half-inch or whatever uh, floppy drive. Quarter, yeah. yeah, something like that. Um, the the big-ass floppy drive, so I'm very excited for all that. Which I'm sure is very low density because, yeah. yes, well, um, why not? Well, what's really cool about Commodores is, like, everything is kind of modular for them, so you can just keep yeah. adding peripherals on them. And, like, there's, like, modems and stuff, and so, like... You can actually play... There were online video games for Commodore 64s. Even in period? Yes, in period. Oh, you, there were multi-user dungeons and stuff that you could play online on, like, ARPANET and stuff like oh that. Oh, my God. I haven't heard of ARPANET in yeah, so long. Yeah, so it's ex- I'm very excited because there's still, like, enough of a community here that there are online games that have lobbies and, like, players for C64. I have to imagine this. Like, I, I know very little about the Commodore 64, but I do know that it has an immensely huge modding community. Yes. So I, I have to imagine there's a bunch of new titles now, too. Yes, there are. And also there's, like, compilers for, like, Basic and, uh, I think, C. 
Um, and so, like, you can actually... You can do a lot of modern things on a C64, and I'm very excited for that because you can also replace everything. So anything that's broken on this, I can just find a new one of, and that's extremely cool for an old computer. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited. Two thumbs that. way Two up. Two thumbs way up. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been doing with my life lately. Fair enough. I uh, I ran down to Florida just because I had it in the calendar forever. Okay. And beach How's bars that? are fantastic. That's but good. like that place is just a cesspool. That's where I got sick. Where in uh, Florida? Are Southwest. You gonna... So Naples. Oh, Naples. Okay, because Jana's dad has a condo in Fort Myers. Oh, that's very close. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So it's like forty minutes. I, I just I don't. Uh, hmm. Going to Florida is just bad. If I could do like fly into Miami and then just not leave the Miami, like area yeah you i could, think i'd probably be okay or even fort lauderdale uh, i'm trying yeah i guess something like that the town is a little bit more condensed which is what i actually appreciated about fort lauderdale is like it's not a walkable city don't get me wrong no no nowhere in fort is walkable but it's really close there's actually a youtuber called city nerd that i absolutely adore and i've he, watched his videos have you watched the yeah. one about how cursed uh like every city in florida is nope i have not when he does like least walkable cities he has he has a least walkable cities and then he goes least walkable cities excluding florida <laughs> <laughs> and then it's a completely different list because florida takes up like nine of the ten spots of the least walkable metro areas i mean the state is like five hours of interstate speed driving tall so yeah, not super surprising to me that it would have terrible walkability. Yeah, also, it's a red state that's designed for retirees. Like, yeah, it's and it was entirely built in like the '60s and '70s. Like, it is entirely a not walkable area. Yeah, that's I didn't even think about that, but yeah, there's no like old architecture there. No, like I mean, they like South Beach. You have like Art Deco stuff. Yeah. But, like, that's about it. Well, I'm sure there are some 1890s colonial things sitting right. on the beaches there, but it's, it's not, few and far It's between. not like here where it's like you throw a rock and you're going to get a house that was made in the 1900s. Right. So, Well, this woodwork is so nice. Well, yeah. that's because it's original. Exactly. So, yeah, I've had a very good time um, doing weird old computer things, so that's good. Uh, somebody stole my mail this morning, so that what? sucks. Uh, what? Yes. That's a thing, mail theft, apparently. Well, I know it is, because the dude that stole my E46 stole a ton of mail, and I just brought it to the post office. I'm like, a lot of this is even opened, but... So, yeah, it's likely, like, there was just um, coupons that were in there, so that's good. Wow, they're really going to get away with those. I'm afraid, I really hope that Progressive didn't decide that today was the day that they were going to send me my check for $10,000 I owe to my contractor, um, because I've been fighting with them since August. I yeah to I heard send about that to the me. Start of that, yes, so. it's still occurring. Oh my god! Fucking hate Progressive Home Site. Do not go with them for your home insurance. They're fine for cars, but home insurance is literally a different company. And even their car insurance stuff, like yeah, I tell everyone because they ask who I use for insurance regularly. I'm like, I use Safeco, <laughs> but I recommend you buy the cheapest possible insurance you can find. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you're it's getting the, the exact same coverage, the and only- as long as you're fine fighting them. If anything happens, then you're fine. Yeah, the only one I'm not a fan of at all is State Farm. Um, I've had negative experiences with a lot. State Farm is... That's the only one I'll never, ever go back to. Their rates are terrible. Well, not not only that, but, like, fighting things is impossible. Getting, like, adjustments fixed is 
even worse than I've had to deal with. Like Josh was telling me, he's like, somehow this isn't the worst experience I've had working with an insurance company. He was like, <laughs> I have to ask. <laughs> he was what like, was? <laughs> he's like State Farm. He's like every single thing needed to be estimated, like down to the nail. And then they would go line by line trying to change things. Meanwhile. And then you would go and you'd do it, and then they wouldn't pay you out until it's done, and then they'd have to send an adjuster out to make sure that you did exactly what you said you were going to do. He's like, it's just so stupid. I would love to see my adjuster again. She came out, we talked about Above and Beyond and a bunch of concerts at the Gorge, and she's like, you don't technically need this, but I'm going to give you a fully clad this, like just marking, like, yeah, everything you need, everything. I had um, a great experience. A jerk from Texas, Ugh. and then I had a nice older man who was just fine. Okay, <laughs> but I like that transition. And then I had a nice yeah. Older I had to man deal with the guy fine. from Texas for a long time, but I got him to go away. And I don't think he, he I don't think he works your home site anymore because he Good. was very bad. Um, but anyway, so right. before we dig into the first topic, patreon.com forward slash carbitrage on this super cool website, you're going to find three open ended levels of support starting at just ninety nine cents a month. For content consumers, that's you to support content producers, that's us. Patreon.com forward slash carpetrage. I have a hams, you have a Nordies. I do. That's yay, correct. Beers. All right. now, anyway, yay. We finally get to um, the unsurprisingly, topics. the Dodge Hornet is terrible. Oh wow. I really would have thought that that would have been terrible. Yeah. yeah, no, they have um the some of the lowest rates of people that are like happy about their purchase of any vehicle. I didn't like, even know this was on sale yet. I've seen exactly one. I've seen TV ads, which was weird because I don't really watch TV very much. So what are people saying about the... Well, uh, so basically what they did is they took the Alfa Romeo Tonale um, like, while it was still cooking. And then they kind of just made their own version of it. Uh, which is historically a terrible idea. Uh-huh. Uh, historically, uh. taking Italian homework and making it yourself doesn't work well. Because um, you don't speak Italian, and nobody speaks Italian. Um, but they currently have a 517-day supply of Dodge Hornets at dealerships. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's a function more of the quantity that were shipped or how slowly they're transacting. So, um, I love this quote on the screen. That's great. Yeah. This was the first vehicle I purchased on my own, and now I am so disappointed. Yep. Yeah. No, this is Amazing. basically what people are saying. Um I purchased the Dodge Hornet uh, September 9th, 2023, and it was it has already broken down. I had to leave it towed Monday to the Dodge dealership, and the mechanic just called me and said there are 200 different codes. I'm so upset that I was sold a lemon. Uh, this is the first vehicle I purchased on my own. I'm so disappointed. My parents live in Michigan, are extremely worried about me, my safety, the cost and inconvenience that this is causing me. Yeah, that's what happens when you... Lemon law attorney. Yeah. Like, what did you expect? Like Dodge has never ever been known for their build quality, and the only thing Dodge makes are funny cars. And yeah, first <laughs> first year model reliability too on compound with that and Dodge, mm, especially when it's to your point based on Italian homework. Maybe maybe not, you know, because I'm sure they're still using Magneti Morelli body control systems for some reason, or there's some catastrophic water line that comes off the sprayers that goes right into a body module computer. I don't know. These are uh, really catastrophic electrical problems across the board on every system. Um, 
While coming over an overpass, my dashboard lit up. I lost all acceleration. My adaptive cruise controls failed. I'm so grateful I was driving the vehicle, not my new driver's son. He would have ended up in the ditch. I noted my side view mirrors were not opening every time the car powers on. The car has two different alarm sounds, and they went off intermittently. Oh, my God. My neighbor's Dodge does that. What do you mean? Their alarm will just go off. Just when it's parked. Ra- random times. Yep. Great. Yep, no, that that is a thing that Dodges do. Um, I don't like that. Yeah, so they, uh, can, the front and rear collision system lights continue to go off. The service tech advised that it was not currently a fix for the issues, but Chrysler Engineering has assured that there will be something in quarter four of this year. Of the 14 days I've owned this vehicle, it has been the shop for four full days. I have I sh- and should have been there longer. My dealership has advised that there's no way to cancel the deal or reverse it, but no buyback option. My only recourse is to complain to Chrysler customer service and hope that they will offer some discount to apply to a trade on a different vehicle. Um, nope, those lemon laws. Yeah, actually. nope. This yep. is exactly Definitely. why we. So we like talk about a lot of extremely arbitrary, weird problems on cars, mm-hmm. and the reason we do that is these are situations that people real life run into that we do not hear other outlets talking about correct and this is a catastrophic problem mm-hmm. like this is why we like we did the blow by blow on scott's several lemon law issues oh, on exactly what to do and we're gonna finish up on the id4 at some point yeah um and these are just like this is wild that people aren't aware that like they can do this like yeah if your car is this shitty that's literally illegal like real life actual fact like that's illegal you have, you should go to a, an attorney mm-hmm. that deals with yes. lemon laws yep. and get your car bought back because it's not okay. Like, America needs more shitty cars because people don't know what to do in the situation. Mm-hmm. Like, and a this, lot of those attorneys will work on contingency, too. Exactly. And so this is why, like, people are wondering, like, Ryan, why do you like VinFast so much? I'm like, because America, we are not aware of this. Right. Like, we have laws for this specific purpose. And the thing is, the big three, for the most part, have avoided these laws. Mm-hmm. So actually having cars and examples that are in the public zeitgeist of what a shit car is, mm-hmm. like that needs to exist in this country so people are aware and know what to do. It's like if like right now a lemon law buyback, it's about as arbitrary as my butter churner quit working. What do I do? Especially on a first model year vehicle yeah. to where you are setting the precedent. Yes. But like, when there's a safety issue like that, what that first commentator mm-hmm. was saying is like, yeah, it's a good thing I was driving, not my new driver's son, is it would have caused a, a well, safety see, issue and you think about like all the shit that happens with tesla and everything mm-hmm. is like i'm shocked that we don't hear about more lemon law teslas that's a good point actually like there's like or the um i think the owners are just so gung-ho about musk's farts no they i just don't care i genuinely think that's it because have you you've also i'm sure seen the photos online of the guy who had his ford Machi uh bricked because the over-the-air update uh went wrong because his home Wi-Fi quit working, like, briefly. No, but that's amazing. And he couldn't get to work in the morning, and he had to have the car towed to the dealership, and the dealership had to reset it, and it took, like, three days. Great. Yeah. Super good. Cool. Nice. We live in hell. Um, See, when my computer failed, uh, well, it failed multiple times. When it really failed, though, car still worked. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, yeah. Like, it, I think it's just so silly. It's like, oh, hey, 
we uh, broke this over there update, um, but there wasn't enough space on the like solid state drive in the car to like save both versions. They're so there's all, no fallback. They're also all EMMC flash, which is junk. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, that's bad. Yes, yeah, even the new ones are EMMC, and uh, no, they do that because it's a really tight little package, you know, BGA. Because cars don't have giant amounts of space that can fit humans in them that you can put like a small computer into. Right. Your, your computer needs to fit in the SIM card of a phone. Obviously. Uh, also, like, there's a lot of read-write happening on an infotainment yes. system uh, with like caching in satellite maps and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, EMMC really doesn't have a long read-write life. No, they have like a few hundred thousand read-writes. It's pretty bad. Like that. That that's something that. When I was shopping for my um, my new M.2 drive on my computer, mm-hmm. I was looking at that. And it was like one of the things I was looking at. TBW. Is, yeah, I was looking at the number of read-write cycles estimated versus the price. And I'm like, eventually I just went with the inland because I'm like, whatever. It's so much cheaper than everything else. But I'm like... They're good drives, too. Yeah, but I'm like, it's not like... It's, a, it's not where it's like very cheap and I get like 100,000 read-writes. I get like... I think it's like something like... Uh, it's, like it's usually measured or something. terabytes written, so if yeah. you can get like 400 TBW out of a drive, that's I th- really that, I good. think it was something like that, yeah. yeah. I think it was 400, yeah. But like, it, it's just, it, it's really fascinating to me that um, it's we are dealing with this new era of cars where there are going to be many lemons, as Scott has found out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like Minnesota's people, foremost lemon law attorney. People don't know what to do about that. I mm-hmm. think that's just really insane to me. And the companies make it that way too. Yes. They don't want you to know what to do. They absolutely don't. No. That whole thing about contact their customer support, literally they're going to give you a fuck off offer, which yeah. is going to be insulting. And people are going to take it. They're going to take it because they have no idea that they have legal recourse. And if they stick it out. And if they take the fuck off offer, they're going to take a non-arbitration clause and and then they can't talk about it either. Yeah, which is great. can't do anything. Yeah, so then here you are, just like Turbo Fucked, and so is everybody else. Yep, and so. your Broken Hornet. Yep, great. Oh, Lovely. Man. I, anyway. I don't really... I mean, that's not ultra surprising coming out of Stellantis, but honestly, I want to talk about a Honda recall. With, oh, what? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. A massive mechanical one, in fact, that stretches... Uh, oh, geez, five years. So th- there's a reason I called this uh, episode Surprise MFR. Because, <laughs> like, it's basically everything here. Um, put a link in there. That is insane. That, Let's grab the top one. So 250,000 A quarter of a million J-Series V6s in Honda and Acura products sold from 2015 to 2020 have main bearings that The don't... crankshaft had a manufacturer. And what happened with the main bearings? Uh, they So since the crankshaft is out of tolerance, uh, there's a tremendous amount of vibration that's eating oh the main God. bearings alive. So, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the dealerships are going to be very, very full. Of Accords and Pilots and MDXs. It's 250,000. It's a lot of cars. You know, I really think that cars reliability like peaked in like the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like, it did. Everything has gotten worse. Because everybody goes, oh, cars are so reliable in the 90s. But if you look at the ones that are most reliable in the 90s, it was all 80s stuff. Like It was fewer camshafts, thicker like, here, oil. Here's my single for cam D series. Here's yeah. my B series. Here's my 7 AFE, which is a 4 HEE, which is a 70s engine. Here's my... Like four point two liter inline six in my Jeep oh my that God, nothing right. breaks on. Like, um, it's just insane how many cars are just like catastrophically broken on a regular basis. And like Honda, you've nailed the V six. Just stop it. 
Like, stop changing it. And I understand, like, maybe they, they the manufacturing to. was out of their control, but I really doubt it, because well, they make their own th- engines. They also have to update things for emission standards. And, like, right. this is what's going to kill the internal combustion engine. It's not going to be, like, very expensive gas. It's not going to be, like, government mandates. It's going to be, like, you cannot r- reliably make one that can go 100,000 miles. Like, they're going to get wildly unreliable, because if you thought of, like... What did it take to have a car in, like, 1960 that made 100 horsepower per liter? Like, it would be a Ferrari 250, which is, like, not a daily driver. And, like, that's a matter of efficiency. Different than fuel economy, but efficiency is efficiency in one way or another. Um, With modern cars, you're still going to be dealing with, like, what is the edge of efficiency for fuel economy and that efficiency is going to come from reliability yeah it's direct injection running higher pressures yep. with thinner oils and yeah it's going to be cutting down on anything that has drag on it and it's going to the be- engines are way better made now than they used to be but there are so many other factors to your point that are ruining them so much yes. faster it's like it's it's kind of amazing that these things honestly last as long as they do in the modern cityscape because if you're running zero w20 oil and you're getting just tons of fuel blowing past your rigs as you're idling in the school drop line every day. Well, it's your 15,000 mile oil change interval. It's like we were talking about in a prior episode. We were talking about the whole idling thing. And we were yeah. saying, like, yeah, no, it's bullshit what the news is saying because you can't just have a blanket clause of you can't idle your car. Mm-hmm. Like, on old cars, you had to warm them up. Mm-hmm. On new cars, you cannot. Like, you cannot have a blanket statement. Right. Like that, like that. It's just not. It's just your car li- can have a little idling as a treat. Yeah, like what the thing is is like, the, like a lot of people are still trying to treat this like it's the 1990s, where you can just say, "Yeah, car launch, this is a thing." Like this is how you replace a distributor because all cars have a distributor. Like you can't like say stuff like that. You can't mm-hmm. teach it anymore, and you can't say like, "Oh, this car's has to run this specific oil." Like okay, like the manufacturer says that. Right. But then, like, occasionally you do run into an engine where it's like, oh, the oil guys are actually extremely small, so you do have to run 0 to 20 Yeah, exactly. Like, th- this was designed to be run in, like, you can idle it if you're in, like, the French Riviera, <laughs> but, like, not anywhere else in the world. <laughs> well, and, yeah, 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 yes, exactly. There are a bunch of oils that just don't work properly in a lot of uh, in engine designs but yeah. there are also a lot of older engine designs that do have these bigger oil returns that used to get specced with thicker oils and are now being specced with a thinner oil like a J series like a J series yes. just because that's part of the cafe standards it's how they get their emissions down it's how they get new cars out the door and na- now you're, and it's causing crankshaft well, na- now you're dealing with issues that are like cool now I'm in this uncanny valley of do I follow new car like rules and standards or do I follow old car things? It's kind of like when you had toilet bowl injection on old V8s back in the seventies, like everything we're kind of dealing with another era of that, yeah. of like that kind of like post malaise where like everybody's still trying to like figure out how to like do stuff again. Like right. we had it figured out for about 20 years and then new rules. And now we have to, refigure things out for the next 20 years and a lot of that is waiting for things to break so you can identify and make these changes but man we have been very slow as a society to figure out direct injected gasoline engines well i think the the part of the issue is that we gasoline operates differently than diesel Mm -hmm. 
And while direct injection has existed in diesel applications for much, much, much longer. Yeah, like than, almost 100 years. Yeah, than normal cars. Um, we don't have the ability to, like, say, oh, this is what it's going to do, because it's a completely different liquid. So all these systems were designed assuming it's going to operate the same as diesel. But now you have stuff where it's like, oh, it's idling, it's washing the cylinders. And now you're... You have cars that have thin oil that is now even thinner, and like mm-hmm. now you have like crankshaft issues, and I have this issue and yeah, that issue. And it's just like, and, yep. yeah, and it's like, it's just, it's kind of like, it, we really should just let the auto cycle engine die and be done with it because it it, it is so far past its prime. Yeah, that like, what you're going to have to do, the R and D you're going to have to do to make an auto cycle engine continue to work is going to be more expensive mm-hmm. than just converting to an electric or hydrogen or whatever unless you know full electrification can like pull down these requirements enough where the auto manufacturer can still make something proper that's still that's less efficient gonna, but yeah of that, course these are publicly traded companies that's not no happening. well not only that like they're publicly traded companies but it's also like do you really think that there's going to be any politician on earth that is going to be in a position where you're going to say, hey, we have enough EVs that we can make chargers again. Like, that's never going to exist. Maybe, but they're not going to be the elected official. So. Yeah, well, the thing is, is that it's going to be like, okay, you might have, say, like a Republican that would do that, but, like, there's going to be some other cursed reason why he wouldn't do that. Right. Like, there's going to be some sort of corporate thing where it's like, oh, well, now the auto manufacturers are making all the EVs, so now it's, it's bad to go back. I, and then you're not, never going to have somebody that's, like, a progressive that's going to do that because... I agree yeah. with you, though. <laughs> It's because just, there are so many really good products out there right now that are internal combustion. Yeah. But you know what? I'm not going to buy any of them because they would be, for me, some sort of daily driver use case. Yeah. And I'm just not interested in not having an electric daily driver anymore. For that use case and how I drive, that's just what I'm going to be buying they, into perpetuity. They do not have – there's not currently a car sold in the United States that – checks enough boxes for me to buy new as a Same. internal combustion car. And it's like a Jimny is about, oh boy. but that's the thing. It's not sold in America. Right. That's sold in Mexico. Well, that's America. Well, the United States of America. Um, but like, that's literally the only new internal combustion engine vehicle I would buy right now. I like the Corolla GR a lot. I would not buy it. I like the M2 quite a bit. Because apparently it drives freaking amazing. Yeah, but you already have an M1. You already have a 1M. I have a 1M, which is better. So yeah. I just don't care. And like, I appreciate that these things are made, but coming back to it, like, and the, I'm a car enthusiast. The Corolla GR, yeah. like, that exists, but, like, there's already existing vehicles that I'd rather have. Like, how much money is a Corolla GR? Uh, if you're lucky enough to find one that actually exists yeah. somewhere, they're mid to high 40s. So mid to high 40s, God, that's really in the realm of quite literally any car I want. <laughs> and it's you like pretty you much are, get an Ionic 5N for that. I'm thinking, yeah, you can get that. I could get like the world's greatest actual A86. I could get yep. like any number of imported cars. I'm leaving imported cars out of there because I really don't want to include that in this list because if people start buying imported cars instead of new cars, then we're going to run into a new import 25-year rule because that's what – cause a 25 year rule in the first place oh my god um well, I, I can't no yeah but like it's bad enough as it is i'm thinking like oh man i would it, so for a corolla it, yeah i would literally just get a, a, a e86 with like a 3s ge gt oh, in it. Yeah. 
like or it beams through us. And you know what? It's going to be reliable because it's a yes, and it'll be more fun. It'll be more fun, and I'll like it more. And like that would be a forty thousand dollar car as well. Like, but again, that's like the AE eighty six isn't going to be the daily. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like for a daily, right? Like no, I would literally do that over buy a new Corolla because it's the same amount of money, and it'd be at that point it would be just as reliable as a vehicle. But it's going to rust. So is a Corolla. Well, yeah, but the A86 has got like... I think undercoated. It doesn't matter. But that's, that's true. got to get that true coat. The, the thing is, is like there's a number of old cars I would buy that sure. are like not that. And it, it's just, it doesn't make sense for me to buy a new car these days. And I know like people have always said that, but it's like it used to be that like there were a number of new cars I would buy like even well, like yeah. two years ago. Well, I mean, like, look at our... Uh... Two years ago, I had the Spark, I had the, I had the Mirage, I had all sorts of like small cars. Yeah. But, like they don't exist. Well, at least not in this country. You know, uh, NPR is actually talking about bloat with new cars. Good. Um, yeah. Um, Thank you for normal people seeing this. Yeah, shit. that was uh, that was on Marketplace and how much of like a problem it's turning into for American manufacturers because like people like Tesla are losing their shirt to BYD because everything's huge here and everything that's sold in Europe is huge and everything that Europe wants is cheap and small. Like even for a private EV, like why would you take a Tesla when you can get like a BYD $10,000 city car. Right. So, like, yeah, that's insane. Speaking, I'm not after a big car. Speaking of small cars, the Abarth 595. Yes. Um, Liberty Walk made a wide body kit for it. Oh, boy. And my pants don't fit right now because it actually looks extremely good. Wait for this to cash. There we go. Oh, boy. That's so low. This looks like a... Uh, this one's definitely on airbags. A video but, game snapshot. Yeah, this one's definitely on airbags. But, like, you could raise that to a reasonable height. And that would look extremely cool. Like, it's raised so up, angry. like, an inch or two. Like, raised an inch or two, that'd look extremely yeah. cool. Yeah. Because then it would actually look like the old school, like, Abarths from, like, the 60s that had wide body kits. It does look like a spec racing series car. But yes. it's a lot of meat underneath that thing. Um, And look at the price for carbon fiber, or not carbon fiber, for the entire body kit. You oh. could get literally an entire Abarth. For the price of just the body you kit. You could get a few used barths for that. So, wow. Yeah. The fiberglass kit is $15,000. And then there's single items you can add in addition to that, if you scroll down, that are oh, also no. hideously expensive. Oh, my God. That's not even for the entire thing that we can see there? Yeah, I, I actually... Man, if I had the money, I would get the hood, because the hood looks really cool. I do like that they incorporated the new Fiat 500e like headlight things yes, into the... Yes, I do like that a lot. That's actually browns. why I'm like, man, I really like that hood. That looks extremely cool. I, that's a good idea, frankly. Yeah. So that, that, that's, This is a lot of money. Yes. For a body kid. Yes. Holdings. Oh, my gosh. Well, to be fair, they are handmade. Well, Okay. Yeah, like they they don't like put make these in a factory. Like it's literally a dude in Japan that makes these. Like they're very cool. Is this like, Forza? What engine is this rendered in? I don't know. It's probably Unreal. Um, like like honestly, it's probably rendered in Unreal Engine based off of the, how the background looks and everything. Like that that's these are the photos that they released of the body kit design. What a shouty, um, snorty little boy! But I mean, like that's. Honestly, pretty cool. Like, I mean, I love the Fiat 500, so... Yeah, especially the 595, uh, and that, that's the one that would You wouldn't get the Tributo Ferrari? That, yeah, but that's the one that doesn't have the back seat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so like, it, it's, it, that's like the actual one, even though it's rendered with the back seat, because uh, they just took a Fiat 500 model and threw them, but whatever. Yeah, that's, uh, um, but they would not have a back seat on them. But that's still very cool. 
I'm totally here for it. Like that's, and you know that isn't going to fall off like the factory side skirts. Yes, exactly. Which um, is which is good. And so, like the thing is that I know Liberty Walk makes some extremely cursed vehicles. They do, but like this is a car where a car that is fine to put a wide body kit on is a hot hatch. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Like Ferrari, no. That's hot how Renault Five yes. was built, man. Yeah. Literally. Like this is supposed to have a body kit on. Like Abarths are stupid cars. I love stupid cars, and yeah, continue to make this more stupid, please. Like I'm here for it. In fact, Liberty Walk, it's not stupid enough. I'm going to need you to go ahead and bring your stupid up from like 7 to 9. Yeah, this needs to be a 9 in the stupid scale. It needs a roof scoop. But since it's, I don't know, man. I, to your point, yeah, I'd love to see a couple inches higher off the ground just to see how that looks. Yeah, it looked good, raised a couple inches. And like, this is their body kits are able to be used for like track cars. Like, they are well built body kits. Like, the, the fake ones are not. But, like, for $17,000, you get your money's worth. I know, right? The eBay body kits from our high school era weren't no, high quality? No, I'm not talking about those. <sighs> no, there's there are knockoffs of modern, like, Liberty Walk, Walk and Rocket Money body kits that okay. look similar. Oh, no. But they're very poorly made, and they don't fit well. Like, next time you see a wide body kit on a car, it, like, fits really shitty. It's probably a knockoff of a, of a Rocket Money. But the actual kits, like... Everyone loves those cutout fenders. Yeah, but the, the actual kits are able to be used like on track, and they do have a purpose for it. Like RWB came from a like the Idlers Car Club, which were a bunch of Porsche people that would go on track days, and then the Rowout Bogriff body kits were just I would like to put bigger tires on my Porsche, please. <laughs> also, now that I've done the bigger tire thing, I need you to make a new body. Yeah, and so, that. but that, that's where it came from. Is like when like 993s are still cheap and you would actually take on the track and then all the hot boys got them. <sighs> and so poor 993s, man. I think that's this is cool. And yeah. It's it's kind of like a special edition Fiat 500 and we love all Fiat And it, it, follow, it follows the it does follow the body lines extremely well. It's not like it, it is not like the Ferrari 512TR. Where they just stuck a '90s front end. Oh, onto here we go car. again. You um, and the arrow headlights, I box hate that. body. Yes, <laughs> I don't like that at all. But this follows the body lines. I can look at any part of this and say, "Yeah, this is definitely for a Fiat 500." Exactly. Like that rear wing. Like you look at that and go, "This is a, fi- a Fiat 500 rear." That's rear not going to fit on anything else. Yeah, that does not match anything else's body lines. He just looks all angry and just wants to do some racing. Well, since we're on the topic, he of low key looks a little bored. Fiat like, 500s. <laughs> does he? I don't know. Look at his little bored eyes. Well, look, he's, and, he's idling, okay? He's not yeah. even racing right now. And it's just his little mustache, mm. and he's just like, hmm. mm. <laughs> he's not doing anything. He's bored. Fine, that's a cat waiting for its feeder to go yeah. off. <laughs> well, since we're on the topic of 500, this is actually aged information, so I'll update a little bit on it now. But the last time we recorded, yes. uh, the we had some worrying news about the 500 d potentially getting delayed for the U.S. market because of how bad sales were and how bad the current economic climate was. However, it is for sure coming here. Dealers now have allocations. Good which news. Which is good. Yes. Um, the Fed... Has said, well, not the Fed, Janet Yellen uh, has said, I'm not really on behalf of the Fed, but there's things that the Fed can't say that Janet Yellen can say. Cause Janet she doesn't, Yellen doesn't give a... Well, because she doesn't work for the Fed anymore. Oh, didn't she? Well, she she used to, but now she doesn't. Is she just on the House Finance Committee now? No, Janet remember. Yellen was previously the head of the Fed. Now she's the head of the... She's cabinet post for okay. finances. Okay. Uh, she said that we officially suck a soft landing. Oh, good. 
Yes, because like actually looking at the macro numbers, which is like it's kind of cursed. Like I understand ma- macroeconomics um, more than I do micro. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the so- with the soft landing, basically unemployment has come down to pre-pandemic levels. Um, inflation is at a reasonable level of like four uh, percent, which is like honestly, it's like two to four is what you want to aim for. I know they were aiming for two, but like I also what, heard that that might not be realistic. Two, so. two to four is what you go for if like that's how the Fed runs is like somewhere within there. If it's outside of that two to four range, you kind of start getting alarm bells. Um, the consumer price index is fairly stabilized. Like rent prices aren't in, going up in insane levels. Housing prices are actually falling because there's a bunch of new construction coming online. Um, so, yeah, that's a macroeconomic good news thing pertaining to the 500 for a car that's about to be launched in America. Exactly. Because yes. people may actually start having some financial stability and money again in the near yeah. term. So they could actually look into buying these things. But I've gotten a lot of information from both Corey and Scott. Corey was actually on the email list for one of the local dealers when these things came in. Very good. that curious. And, of course, the information is just incredibly misleading from the dealer. Yep, all of our new cars are zero-option vehicles. I'm like, no, they're all very high-option vehicles with no additional options available. But, like, when you are sending out emails to the people that actually contacted you first on a vehicle and you get that fundamental fact wrong, mm. I'm very worried. Well, I mean, it's dealerships. They're always terrible. These are still made in Italy, so that they're not eligible for the federal tax credit. If you buy it, however, they might be if you lease it. And oh. Minnesota's tax oh. credit now is still in effect, or will that's come to extremely soon. interesting. Uh huh. So you might, if that does work, you also might be able if to you get want it. a first year car. Yeah, the move is to lease it anyway. Right. It's so that's be in the, the way to get it all yeah. the time anyway. Oh man, so that'd be a really cool. Object. Again, if you're going to get one of these, look into leasing it because it's just like the first gen 500e, where they were like thirty thousand dollar cars. This is a thirty two thousand dollar base vehicle now, yeah. the new 500. But like that's really not that different than the original one. And look at those, man. Those were getting shoved out the door with ninety nine dollar a month leases for you clients. I bet you will also be red set up on that lease, like on a Subaru, because Subarus have the um, it's at least numbers are based off nat- nationally aggregated, uh, av- nationally aggregated average depreciation values. Okay. Um, so like a Subaru in Florida depreciates a hell of a lot more than a Subaru here, right? All right. It's because nobody needs any of the all-wheel I drive. I think that these are going to depreciate a hell of a lot more uh, nationally than they will here or yes. in any sort of city setting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really interesting because like somebody in North Dakota is not going to want anything to do with this. And the beauty of that is when you're at the end of that, whatever three year term lease, you can just buy it out for the buyout might not be favorable though. And what I did on my first 500 is it was a lease return yeah. and somebody probably had an obscenely high buyout and it just got sent to auction. Oh, weird. And then oh. a dealership bought it and then I bought it from a dealership. So either way, even if the lease buyout isn't favorable, you could just go buy the Oh, you know why? Car. Because yours was your 500D? Yeah, my first so, one. Yeah, those, because that was a compliance, compliance vehicle. vehicle. Yep. That's one of those situations where, yeah, in California, they're, they appreciated, or they didn't appreciate Anyway, the the, the price the, the, it'd be you'd be upside down on your lease by the time you're out of it. You wouldn't buy it out, right. but in Minnesota, you know, you probably will be actually, because the value for the buyout will be less 
than what it would be to just purchase it outright. It helps that it's nationally yeah. sold. Because yeah, that, like, that people in California will actually want that car. Correct. But in... Uh, like for your era, like people in California would want, would want that car, but like in Texas, they wouldn't have any sales data for it. Mm-hmm. So that would mess with the lease terms. Um, yeah. But with this, that's actually really interesting. It's really cool. So that's worth looking into because I still love this little bugger, and thirty-two is a lot of money. But if it was twenty-two after the credits, yes, twenty-two. Oh, uh, I would. This is a twenty-two thousand dollar car for me. Absolutely, Hell yeah. Hell no yeah. question. Forty-two kilowatt hours usable. Yep. And the original was Make like it is, eighteen. I, will, so. I want the stripper model with. An electric motor and a heater and a heat pump, and that's all I want. They don't have a heat pump, I don't think. I don't care. It lives in the city. <laughs> I still want it. <clears throat> if I could get one, I would. It would not be a deal breaker without it. Ooh, actually, no, I do. I'm making a rule to myself. I'm never buying a car without a sunroof again, so I would need a sunroof. That would be the only thing. I don't know. I'd, uh, the, the base U.S. whatever first edition specs are out there. I don't know. I, I think I, it I probably th- has a sunroof. I don't think they do. But uh, if they do, it would surprise me, man. If they have one, I'm here for it. All the Primas shipped with sunroofs. Very good. Okay, cool. Then maybe I'll get lucky. I hope so. I don't know. Either way, right, we're going to keep covering the Fiat 500e for you guys because it matters, and it's a very good small car. It just needs to be a, a little cheaper. Yes. Well, anyway, speaking of cars, I yeah. want to talk about the new Lancia Ypsilon EV prototype, which has the drip, as you see. Uh, is that a drip, or is that a flooded vehicle? A flooded vehicle has several drips. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. Just, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so they were the French authorities were called to rescue a submerged vehicle, <laughs> and they didn't know that it turned out to be the new Lancia Epsilon EV prototype, which is now ruined. <laughs> but there you go. Is so is that like a camo thing on the body, that's or did the, that come from the channel? Um, no, that's a camo thing, but also came from the channel. It ended up in the water, yes, and it's very ruined. Um, it got completely destroyed um, during an unfortunate joyride um, that ended in a canal. Oh. Yes. So this wasn't even just like weather doing this. This was somebody stole it and yes. ditched it. Which I think is just... Somebody, hey, Lancia, high <laughs> praise. Somebody liked your Ypsilon enough to steal it. You know, it. if your car's getting stolen, like, it's probably a sign of being uh, something that people want, unless it's a Kia, where it's just a crime of opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, this one has the one that's compatible with my USB cable, so let's go for that one. But, yeah, so um, apparently uh, the roof of the vehicle was seen poking out of the water, <laughs> um, and they quickly rounded out, up divers to see if people were involved. Nobody was in the car near it, but the car was definitely completely submerged in the water and ruined. Hey, but it didn't start on fire. That's true. And uh, that actually says a lot about the car. Yeah. Like, there's a, there's a lot about the... <laughs> that's actually a real safety concern I'd have for an electric vehicle. Well, I mean, boomers on Facebook always just every time there's any crash or anything with an EV, you're like, oh, kind of catch on fire. Well, no, I see about more like electrocution and stuff. But I like get the you. fact that divers could approach the car yep. and be just fine, that's actually really cool. So that's good. Ta-da. So this is a good yeah. real-world survival wow, test. Wow, look at that new Lancia Ypsilon EV. Now we know, yeah. yeah, what, yeah. A, what a beaut. What a beaut. Man, all right, what have I got next here? <laughs> oh, sorry. Wow, what the hell is that? Uh, that caught, it came out of nowhere. <laughs> 
I still get like that dry cough, man. And sometimes in it the just, middle of an inhale, you're like, hey, it's actually right now. Yeah, like, it's no, happening now. No. no. Anyway, so thank you, Toyota, because not only did the federalized manual transmission that already existed here in the States for the old 340i, yes. uh, Toyota completely redesigned the shift linkage. And now the Z4 is getting that transmission and Toyota's linkage. Oh, very good. And the praise is high because everything was tuned very well for the Supra. And, of course, that's just been plugged right into the Z4. Perfect. But honestly, This is good news. This is genuinely good news. We don't have... I can't think of what other, like, manual roadsters do we have anymore. Miata. I think it's... Okay. That. You could have this for a Miata. And this is... No Miata is worth a penny more than $1,000. Right, and the transmissions don't explode in these, and they yeah. do in, in Miatas. I mean, like, the, the thing is with the Miata, the best Miata is the cheapest Miata, because uh-huh. it's designed to be a cheap car. This is actually a good roadster. Yeah. Like, this is, like, a properly good Z3. Yes. And so, like, it's a Z4, whatever. No, but, it like, you know how the Z3 was in the 90s, where it's like, yeah, here's, like, a good roadster. Like, this is what the SL used to be. Like, this is the successor to Pagoda SL. Good. Now you have that back. Somebody Enjoy actually it. did, like, research on what a Roadster should be. Is yes, I, I hope it sells. I don't want it because I don't like BMWs. Um, but, like, hey, that's cool. I'm glad it exists. That's and cool. Like, I, I just, would rather have a 124. But, you know, hey. Oh, me too, which is why I do. Yeah. But I don't know. Anytime something However, good this happens. However, this is... You know, a 124 is certainly a very much so just a Miata. This is a lot more hair on it. Like, this is a This much... is a bigger, heavier, way more powerful car. Yeah, so. no, this is actually would be a very good... I would get that over the new Supra. I probably would, too. If I were to get one of those two, I'd get yeah. that over the Supra. The Supra's not a 2 plus 2, so, yeah, why would yeah. you not get this? No, the is literally just a worse version of this car. And for some reason, millennials have an aversion to convertibles and sunroofs. They're just wrong. Yeah, but they're like, oh, but I, my head doesn't fit. Like, that's not true. That's You're actually, full of shit. That's reversed with the glass roofs now. Yeah. It like, gives you more headroom. I, yeah, like, I have less headroom in cars that don't have sunroofs. Like, in the, the 90s, do help. you're right. Yeah. You lost headroom, and they were very heavy, and it was bad for center of gravity and all this other shit. They're still bad for rusting out cars, but whatever. But then anyway. this is fine. But like, convertibles, yeah. What is the, what's the matter with people, man? The aversion, it seems like, like... I would rather have a convertible every day. And they're like, well, it's a safety thing. I'm like, if you're rolling your car over you're, and you're worried about the roof collapsing, you're probably already pretty fucked. Like, you're going to be very maimed. How many cars have you rolled over, if you're asking me that question? Yeah. That's what I want to know. Yeah, like... Because it sounds like a you problem. Also, rollovers where you end up, like, like just like the car just lands on its roof are extremely rare. Mm-hmm. Like, in trucks, yeah, it makes sense. And they still have the pyrotechnic uh, rollover yeah. hoop things. Like, you're fine. Unless you roll it into sand and it digs in, you're probably okay. Even then... Like, if you roll into sand and it digs in, you're, again, already in the place where there's probably something else that's going to kill you. Like, being Uh in a convertible is not going to be... That's going to be the least of your problems. It's not like a convertible version of Jana's car, where it's like, no, that actually does make it objectively worse in every way. Like, this is a modern vehicle. You're fine. Like, as I've said many times... Pretty much any modern vehicle yeah, is. Um, I like their uh, makeshift uh, center console. That's I know good. this like this mule car. I just want it like that. Just yeah, sell the yeah, actual. Yeah, send me one that. Like that. Oh, that's great. It's just but, a big red button on this like crudely bent piece of shit. This is metal. this is good. The world should. What does that say? 
I have no idea, but like the, no, the world deserves this. This is a good vehicle. I'm happy about this. Yeah, I'm. I'm credit where it's due. That's. I'm excited about that. All right. Well, I want to round out um, this little bit shorter of an episode um, because I want to talk about another car sales tip, and this is specifically pertains to Japanese import cars. Um, and so with Japanese import cars. Lord knows there's no shortage of crappy ones coming through because like people find out oh, oh people will buy America will buy imported Japanese cars and they go buy all the trash mm-hmm. from all the Japanese auctions and now you have a world's like all the world's worst K trucks like <laughs> all flooding the United States which is like fine they're workhorses but like you know it's one thing if you get like a shitty K truck and it's like damn. I'm out $5,000. Right, right. It's one thing if you get a shitty R34. Oh, God. Um, and yeah, then, then you're out cheap. all of your money. Um, and so there's a car, basically a Carfax for Japanese cars called CarVX. And CarVX will, this is a sample report of one. It's basically Carfax. It tells you everything because Japan has very strict Shaken. Vehicle roadworthiness tests that happen every year. Nice. This pulls all the shock in database Very information. Good. If it's ever been an accident, if there's ever been an uh, odometer rollback, if there's any safety recalls, um, if it has radiation contamination from Fukushima, which is actually a real thing. Yep. No, um, I didn't think about that. Nope. But, that uh... is a real life actual thing uh, because that can actually. This is something that's very interesting. Um, I have. Not personally dealt with this, but I have seen stories of people buying, like, very good Toyota Century. Super nice. Like, they got it. They got the deal of a lifetime on it. It had a, like, it had a four on the auction grade report, which is about as high as you can get. Um, brings it to America. Everything's good. And then when it's in the port, uh, DHS does looks at it, and they do a radiation test. And it turns out it came from always, oh, like, a block away from Fukushima. So, like, the car itself is fine, but as soon as you put a Geiger counter anywhere near a vent, it goes bananas. And, like, now you can't, now you cannot register the car because now this is, like, literally industrial waste. And now you just purchased and industrial waste. The half life of that industrial waste is quite Mo- long. longer than your lifetime. Yep. Correct. Um, so, like, you, you can pull all the vents out and get new ones, but, like, that's hideously expensive. On a century? No way. Also, think of, like, the hazmat cost of that because, Random technician's not going to do that. You have to have a dude like in a like a radiation suit do that. Like it sucks. It's going to say unless you Effect- don't tell them. Which- effectively, it totals the car. Um, so that's actually really uh, good to have, and it also gives the average market price of like what the Japanese market is, whatever. Um, and I never, you'll never find a car as a like, buyback guarantee because it's like old Japanese car. They'll actually tell you like the accident history, odometer readings. You'll see that so. Where it was sold, you'll see the uh, original or the very first Shaken test, and then where it was uh, before it went to auction. Who purchased it? to send it to auction. Um, if it was used commercially, if it was used in any radiation contaminated contaminated area, uh, if it failed a radiation contamin- contamination test, which is actually interesting because sometimes you can you can get lucky. You'll get is that part of the annual inspection? Or yes. No? Oh wow! Um, Jesus. So. If you have a car that's like registered in Fukushima, but it, it passed all of its radiation tests, yeah, because like yeah, that car's registered, but like we lived in Sayama, like cool. Now you just got a car; it's a lot cheaper because of where it was registered, 
And so sometimes you can get, you can get that. Um, even gives you a vehicle assessment of it on newer vehicles, that is. Manufacturer recall history. This is like a super Carfax for old Japanese cars. Yeah, there's cars. a lot of data here. Yes. And every now and then you'll get cars where it's like the car VX come back, comes back clean, but the car looks shitty. But like you'll be able to tell yeah. that it looks shitty. Um, but this is really good for providing that peace of mind for people that may be purchasing or bidding on your car. And this can really unlock some additional money because these reports, how much do you think this costs? Uh, $79? No. It costs 3,500 yen. Do you know what that is? I do not. That is 2,469. <laughs> That's so cheap. But I guess, <laughs> it's okay. It's insanely cheap. When you have a built-up infrastructure of like, this is compulsory and you have to have these yes. inspections, this data has to be a lot cheaper to collect. And it'll, it'll even tell you what kind of engine it originally had, the ground clearance, fuel consumption, all that stuff is all noted in J- from Japan. So if you have, say, this is something that happens with K-Trucks a lot, is you'll have um, K-Truck that has no badging on it, and you don't know what engine's supposed to be in it. <laughs> and so, like, you're like, that's silly. Like, they all have, like, 69 horsepower. I'm like, yeah, they do at the highest trim level. But the lowest trim level on a Dahatsu Hijet has 24 horsepower. That's a lot lower. That's a that is a literally a third the horsepower of. And we're gonna need all sixty nine. Yes, so. you need every horsepower that you need with that vehicle. So these matter. So if you're ever looking at one, you're like, I don't know what engine this is, and the engine's in the center of the vehicle. I have to tear the interior apart to get to the center to actually or to the engine to actually look at it. Yeah, you can look at what's in there. That's easy to do when you're and, running around an auction. Well, it's like also like let's say you're gonna go look at a car that's you know you know, two hours out of town, right? Yeah. Well, that you're going to go two hours out of town, and you're going to pop the hood. They don't know what engine's in it. You look at it, and you go, ah, shit. Okay, cool. It's the 24-horsepower version. And, you go, and you're like, well, I guess I just wasted two hours of my time to go look at a vehicle that's literally too slow for me to drive on the highway. However, you can also run into situations where you go, oh, cool. This says this is Suzuki every RZ Turbo, this is a cappuccino engine in it. I may go take a look at it. This looks great. You go out there, you open it, you pop the hood, and you go, this is a six-valve with a turbo slapped on it. That's not an RZ turbo. Oh. And then now you have, cool, now I'm making 65 horsepower, but at great cost reliability. So it's just like... I was going to say, if your Every isn't designed to be a turbo. Well, it, yeah. I mean, you can, but like sometimes like you could literally just take the turbo manifold and just stick it onto the base engine sure. and then blow it up. Um, That's what you want. Yeah. You could do that if you want. I'm sure it's got piston coolers so and all that kind of stuff, So these right? car VX reports are super, super important. And it's also like if you're buying from fly-by-night importers, like sometimes you can get a really good deal if you know what you're looking for from going to some sketchy importer that's in like rural Texas. Um, and there's actually a Facebook group that exists called I Got Screwed by Shady Japanese Importers. Um, and I sent you a oh link to that group. Oh my god, I did, I did pre-open this. Yes, so that group is called Literally I Got Screwed by Shady Japanese <laughs> Importers. It's 31,000, or 38,000 members. And it is... It's private. It, it, you know, it's private now. But it is uh, literally just a list of people that have had horror stories. Like, yeah, man, I bought this Toyota Sarah, and they forgot to mention that the engine had blow by and every time i started i'm clearing all the mosquitoes out of my neighborhood like that's a lot of blow by yeah but like just like really bad problems that like 
people are having. Or like, cool, I got this I got this screaming deal on an R32 um V spec two. And then they're like, cool, all right, it arrived. It seems down on power. And they go to the model code and they de- decode it. This is a V-Spec 2. They stuck a V-Spec 2 body kit on it. And you go, you lift it up to go make sure that it's got, you know, the active limited slip differential or something. And then your jack falls through the floor. Because also they forgot to mention the fact that it's from the Ryukyu Islands and spent its entire life a block away from the ocean. <laughs> also, it's actually a GTST. Yeah, it was a GTST that's been converted to look like a, a V-Spec. Like, then you're like, well, the difference between GTST and V-Spec 2 R32 is $50,000. Yeah, there's a very big difference that- in cars that look very similar. Yes, it's a catastrophic difference. Or, like, even it can be... Um, this R32 has uh, halogen headlights or reflector beam halogen headlights as opposed to projector beam halogen headlights. Um, what's going on here? And then you look it up and go, oh, this was spec with projector halogen headlights. Oh, so it's been crashed. So, yeah, you go, okay, well, what happened? Did somebody just <clears throat> did somebody just crash it into a wall and put on the cheaper projector headlights? Because halogen ones are actually for race cars and a weird backwards thing. Oh my god. Yeah. The the normal ones had projectors. The race cars had the lighter reflector beams and it was like a nine pound difference. Good god. Oh my god. Yeah, it was like a huge difference. And uh, those early projectors were some so, serious hunks of glass. But but if you see the if you ever see R thirty two with uh reflector beam like a GTR with reflector beam headlights, those you had to option that. Jesus. Um Christ. they're called in one headlights. Um and I still don't want them. Well I would because well, they make the car fine. worth significantly more. Well, and they look, they look cooler. They, they do look cooler than Yeah, that. but you also don't like the Aero Fox body or the 512TR. So. so this is where they look cooler. If you look closely on them, the projector headlights don't have the Skyline S. Oh. You know the cool S we all used to drive? Yep. Oh, we used to draw like in middle school? Sure do. The Skyline S logo is very similar to that. Hmm. And on non-projector headlights, they have that S etched into the glass. Like the actual face glass of the headlight? Yes. That's kind of cool. It's extremely right, cool. That's cool. That is much better than a projector, yeah. and that's why they're worth more. Fine. Um, <laughs> well, and lighter weight. I get it. Like but, like, so, reason. like, let's say, like, okay, cool. Somebody just slapped some projector headlights on because they wanted to have better daily use. Right. That's different than, oh, this car was driven into a train, and there's no, the, the front end came off. Oops. Like, two totally different reasons to have modified headlights. So, yeah, Car VX reports. Cheapest thing in the world. They're $25. I will guarantee you, if you were ever selling a Japanese vehicle, that you will get more than $25 in value out of this report. 100%. Like, this is yeah. something where I cannot fathom why you would ever sell a Japanese car without these. What? At that co- How long have these been around? Uh, the, for longer than you've been able to import Skylines. This well, has been around for, like... Why have I just only heard about it today? Because most people don't talk about it, because a lot of people don't know it exists. Ah. Um, Is it done with the VIN or the number plate? Yes, it is done with uh, the chassis number, which is different. They don't use uh, 17-digit VINs in Japan, which is also a weird thing with Car VX reports. If two cars share a VIN, which does exist, it'll pull both of them. Oh, that's nice. So, for instance, at work, Mm -hmm. I had a seller that had a Nissan March that... VIN was shared with a uh, Mitsuoka Vute. It's not even like the same car. It is, actually, because a Vute is based off of March. But they were different model years. Oh, my God. And 
but they had the same chassis code and they had they repeated cuz it the Vute came off the chat the assembly line went straight to Mitsuoka okay and then they just went minus 1 for the assembly line number oh, okay. for the car cuz that, that one went straight to Mitsuoka and was not sold as an Nissan oh my god so there's a Mitsuoka like KF4 1069 at least that's a plausible reason yeah but like that's the thing so yeah car vx um they are not expensive and they are so helpful. And even like if you're just trying to like, they will even give you free information on a lot of cars. So I'm going to get you just, um, so it's not like Carfax, you key it and it's like 70 records found exclamation point. Yeah. No, uh, if you go, so go to home real quick while you're doing that, I'm just going to bring up a random, uh, just a whatever super sandbar, I can I'm just find. find a chassis number. Yeah, I'm gonna get you a chassis number because if you enter a chassis number in there, um, they give you a lot of information for free, and it's really interesting. I love that there's just a third gen Prius chilling on the front of this for some reason. Yes, because it's used as normal car stuff in Japan. Like this is just a normal thing in Japan that people buy. Um, so here I'm gonna just pulling up a 1994 Subaru Sambar DS four-wheel drive, which is the one that has, like, the retro front end. Oh, yeah. So in here, type in KV4 dash, uh, all right, um, 106316. Then find your vehicle. Searching our database. Please wait. It didn't work for you. What the hell? Uh, is that still the same sample? Report? There it is, right there. Uh, so th- they will give you for free. That's the engine. Okay. That's in it. So you see, it's a four-wheel drive classic. So you know it had the classic front end from the factory. Oh my god! You can see that's part-time four-wheel drive because they had part-time four-wheel drive, full-time four-wheel drive, and rear-wheel drive. So that's a lot of very good information. Yeah, I was going to say. And what's particularly useful on this, you know, it's talking about engines on these and how cursed they can be. Yeah. That will give you the exact engine and exactly what variant it is. Because the, the EN7 made a lot more power than the EN07C. Because the EN07C was the carbureted version. Oh, well, of course. And that one made 40 horsepower. That one makes 50. Oh, see? That, and when you're dealing with that, <laughs> that boy, that's a 20% tw- difference. Yes, you make 20% more power than you would with the carbureted one. Stupid so, C. Yeah, no, these are very helpful reports, even for free without purchasing it. So, yeah, CarVX, that is the spot to go. It's literally carvx.jp. Yeah, .jp. You can Google it if you can't remember the actual URL. But this is, like the most useful thing if you are looking up. Now, I now wish we had an option like this in the States. Yeah, I know, right? But Carfax hey. sucks. AutoCheck sucks. Yeah, this is this is kind of why I'm like so gung-ho on like my next car very likely being a K car. Because I'm like, I feel very safe yeah. buying these. And the infrastructure for daily driving a K car in 2023 is very different than the infrastructure driving, daily driving a K car in 2019. Because... When I was considering buying one, when I bought the Fiat, yeah. it didn't make as much sense because I couldn't easily find parts. I can now go and find a timing belt assembly for F6A on Amazon and have it delivered the same day 
from our Amazon warehouse. That's the beauty of these things coming in in mass. I yeah, mean, so there's like, going to be U.S. suppliers. That's stock. yeah. Now you can actually find parts for them. So like now it makes it's reasonable. Now I've got uh, something like CarVX where now I can feel comfortable being like, yeah, I need to buy this thing. Like, it seems like a good deal. Let's see what the problem is. So yeah, there you go. CarVX. We'll end out on a high note on that. Hell yeah, I like it. See ya. Bye guys.